Good morning. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, glad you could be here. We have our small little intimate gathering. Look at this. It's adorable. Uh, what, what do you guys say? Um, I, know, uh, I know a number of families are out sick. I'm sick today. In fact, today, for the first time in our journey, I didn't set up today. I stayed home on my couch. Uh, yeah, first time in our journey. And then I was curious, what percentage of our people did not set the time? We're getting texts right now about it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, but we're happy to be here. It's a great morning to be together. Uh, thanks, AJ, for leading us in, in worship this morning. Uh, it was really nice. Glad to be here amongst friends. So so uh, what a good morning. You know, uh, we've been sitting through the, the book of Acts. And uh, the book of Acts is um, uh, the second in a series that a man named Luke wrote. He wrote the Gospel of Luke about Jesus' life, and then he wrote the story of the beginning of the church, Found in the book of Acts. And we've been studying through this journey, and it's interesting, the, the story that he, that he tells, the narrative, it begins in the surrounding region. You know, he tells the story of Jesus uh, from um, uh, the, the, the outer region of Israel, um, the story of Jesus traveling and teaching and then eventually coming together and culminating in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. And, and, and uh, we've been reading in the book of Acts so far, the first seven chapters, uh, the story of the church beginning there in Jerusalem. And so maybe there's some 10,000 believers, people imagine at this time, there in Jerusalem. It is a, uh, Christianity is a, um, is a, is a small group of Jewish believers, right? Um, and, and just now in our story, in chapter 8, we begin to see now the story begin to spread out, not just to the edges of Israel, but soon to the ends of the earth. And so we see the story that, that Luke tells as everything draws in to culminate in Jesus' death, burial, and then his resurrection uh, in Jerusalem, and then the story now of the expansion back out and into the world. And so today's an exciting piece of that story as, uh, as we see um, a convert uh, from far away uh, come to know his hope found in Jesus. So let's read together. We're going to be in in Luke chapter 8, verse 26, and, uh, and we'll read our text, we'll pray over it, and then, uh, then we'll see what we can glean from it this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of... Uh, the Kandake, which means queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, uh, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Uh, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, uh, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. 
And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story this morning. Uh, Father, thank you for fascinating elements. And Father, we pray that through it, you will uh, speak into our lives, Father, that we can know more of you, um, that we can draw nearer to you. Uh, Father, give us wisdom, give us ears to hear, uh, hearts to understand this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Unlikely people and unlikely places. It's a fascinating story. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if one of the reasons I like this story so much uh, is uh, because it, it resonates so much in my life and where I've been. Unlikely people and unlikely places. I went through um, uh, a pretty strange season in high school. Um, I think that's safe to say. Um, I, uh, yeah, I had a. I, I, I had a little thing in high school. Um, you know, this is beyond the worst of it, actually. Uh, I'm a junior in high school right now, and um, what you can't see is the skate shoes and the, and the skateboard I have with me right there while I'm taking the picture. I wore a suit every Monday uh, my, my junior year, and uh, of course still skated with all my friends and, and all that. Um, you know, uh, speaking of unlikely people, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't do, uh, I did a lot of things wrong in high school, I messed up a whole lot, and, um, and uh, yet somehow in the end I got this diploma, you can tell I really cherish it, I've taken really good care of it. Uh, eventually I graduated from high school, and it even says honor roll, and I, ha- I did nothing honorable in high school, I have no clue why that sticker would be on there. But, um, but I made it through. Good. You took that picture off. Thank you. Good job, Brian. Good. So I made it through, and, um, and I found myself, uh, as I graduated high school, 17 years old, on a plane headed to the most unlikely of places, Botswana, Africa. And uh, at this point, God had done some powerful things in my life, uh, really turned things around, shown just his grace and his love in remarkable ways. And so I went to Botswana feeling like I think God might be calling me uh, on mission, calling me overseas. And so uh, as I graduated from high school, I went to explore missions in Botswana, Africa, where my, my uncle was a missionary there of some 20 years at that point. And, um, and I loved adventure. I thought, I thought this was it. You know, God's going to call me uh, overseas. What was fascinating is this most unlikely person, myself, in the most unlikely place, Botswana, Africa, discovered God's calling towards missions in the United States. Like, I had to go halfway around the world to hear God's calling that said missions is necessary even right uh, in your neighborhood, right? Right around our homes. God is calling us into mission. Unlikely people and unlikely places. It's kind of the story of my life. Well, the story today is about incredibly unlikely people. Uh, if you've been with us as we've been studying through Acts, you've heard about this man, Philip. Uh, he was one of the seven chosen uh, to help distribute food to all the widows uh, there in Israel. Uh, next, we read a story about Philip uh, going to Samaria, a region in Israel that was just despised by the Israelites. But he went there, and uh, against all odds, as the Israelites would assume, um, uh, people came to know Jesus. They believed his message, and, and they were baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit, and powerful things begin to happen in this. And, and, and Philip has now uh, been called by an angel out onto this desert road with little idea of why he's there. So Philip, an ordinary Jewish man, is out on mission on a dusty road, uh, and on that road, he comes across the most unlikely of characters. Uh, He comes across a 
an, an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, now, uh, sometimes I wonder why some of the details are in a story that are there. Uh, did we need to know that he was a eunuch? This is one of those, I, I know that God has a sense of humor, because he throws things like this into the text that forces a preacher to then explain what a eunuch is, right? Uh, God, God has a good sense of humor. If you don't know, uh, um, go home and ask your parents. We're done. No, no, we're not done. That. Um, no, a eunuch uh, simply means um, a, a man that has been castrated. Sounds terrible, right? Yeah. But in the ancient world, uh, this, is, uh, this was a practice that prevented especially slaves um, from uh, fornicating with queens or a king's harem. So men uh, that, that were slaves that were to work uh, amongst the high officials and the women in the courts uh, would be castrated. Now, generally, that was done to slaves, and, and it was uh, not by choice. However, occasionally, it was by choice. Occasionally, people would aspire to such a high position that they would choose that role in life, right? Um, and it's very possible that this man in this position was one who chose it. We, we don't know all the details about this man, but he is an extremely unlikely character in this story, as we'll go on to see. Here's what we know about the eunuch. Um, we know that he's rich uh, because he's riding in a chariot. We know that he's educated because he's able to read. And we know that he's powerful from the position that he's been given, I mean, the story is as bizarre as can be. Uh, Philip, an, an unlikely character, meets the most unlikely of characters in a random place, right? He just jogs up next to a guy's chariot and he pokes his head in and he says, hey, can I tell you more about that, right? There, there's, there couldn't be anything more quirky or strange about the story. So he hears the, the Ethiopian reading and he's reading out of a text in Isaiah. And, uh, and it's a fascinating text. Uh, it speaks of Jesus. This is one of the me- messianic texts, texts, I'm sorry. This is one of those texts, um, that a prophet is speaking of the Messiah to come, the hope of Israel, uh, the things that are to come in, in this man, Jesus. And, uh, and he's speaking of, of Jesus in terms of a sheep going to the slaughter who doesn't cry out, who doesn't fight against. It speaks of Jesus' humiliation, uh, that he's deprived of justice and that he's taken from the earth. And the eunuch has an excellent question. Who is this prophet speaking about? We learn one more thing about this Ethiopian man this day uh, in, in this part of the text. He had left Jerusalem without the answers he desired or without the experience he had hoped for. Now listen to this. For him to have traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, uh, some say it would take in a chariot about 60 days. He went on a two-month trip to Jerusalem. He's clearly a God-fearer. He's he's fascinated by, captivated by this God that he's heard about. And and so somehow he gets the time off work to take a two-month trip. Actually, four months, and then however long he's there in Jerusalem, right? You know, I've been thinking, um, for those of you on the board of the church, I've been thinking about vacation packages, and I think this story lays out a pretty interesting principle for that sort of thing. Uh, But we'll talk about that later. Um, So, what's that? (laughs) Yeah, don't count on it. So, so he takes off two months to Jerusalem. He gets there, and here's the thing. Uh, As as terrible and... and, uh, and, and as unbelievable as um, uh, it, it, it sounds to be a eunuch, Israel would agree with us. You see, Israel uh, 
despised this practice. In fact, a eunuch was not allowed to enter the temple and worship God in the temple. They would be forced to remain in the outer courts, right? This was a, a defiled person. So, so this eunuch not only traveled two months to go and worship God, but he arrived to realize he was not invited into the place of worship there in Jerusalem. So however long he's spent there, he's gotten back in his chariot, and he's left. Somewhat defeated, I would imagine, but I only imagine that. Because what's he doing? He's still reading the Word of God. Right? He's sitting there reading from Isaiah these scrolls. This man has an unbelievable uh, determination to know this God, right? So Philip arrives, and he says, do you know what you're reading? And it turns out, how perfect is this? The Ethiopian is reading about a Savior, reading about Jesus, who would come to take the shame and the sin of the world upon himself. That he wouldn't cry out. This Ethiopian, rejected and sent away from Jerusalem, now heading back to his home, realizes, in Philip's description, a story of a Savior who cared so much that he would take the shame and the burden of the world. And so as this Ethiopian hears this captivating story, Jesus came and he taught and he drew in the people at the margins, right? He didn't reject them, but he, he drew them into his inner circle. Can you imagine the Ethiopian and the, and the way his ears perk up as he hears about a Savior that loved the least among him? He says, but I was just there in Jerusalem and I didn't experience any of that. But Philip goes on and he says, but the story didn't end with his love for marginalized people. After he died, he rose from the dead and he appeared to thousands of us. There's a movement that's begun amongst us because Jesus has risen. There is a new hope available to the world, right? He tells this story, Philip tells this story to this Ethiopian man and he responds. He says, well, there's water. Why can't I? Why shouldn't I? Be baptized. Now, here's the wild thing. There is every reason why he shouldn't and can't be baptized. I mean, under Jewish law, remember, he couldn't even enter the temple. And, and in Israel at this time, to become a proselyte, uh, people would be baptized into Jewish faith. They would, they would become Jewish in that way. He went to Jerusalem and was denied all those opportunities. The question that he asks, I mean, it is fresh. It is a fresh wound in his heart. He says to this man, Philip, speaking just words of hope into his life, and he says, well, then why shouldn't I? Why couldn't I have been baptized into all this? And Philip says, you can. Let's stop the chariot. Because today is your day. Can you imagine that moment in this man's life? Leaving rejected and hopeless and hearing that in Jesus there is a new hope available to humanity. I want to talk for a moment uh, about baptism. Let's, let's just mention this while we're on it. Um, a lot of different churches and a lot of, a lot of different denominations in Christendom practice baptism in different ways. But it has been something 
pivotal in the story of of um, of Christian of Christianity um, since the beginning. I, I want to highlight just a couple simple things without going into uh, a ton of detail on it. Um, I want to look at Romans chapter six, uh, where Paul speaks of baptism. He says some fascinating things about it. He's, in Romans chapter six, verse three, he says, um, "All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus." were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay, so this is, this is one of the things I want to mention about baptism, um, that Paul equates it to, he, he says, he draws this analogy. He says, you remember when Jesus died and was buried and then rose again? In our baptism, we get to symbolically live out this experience of dying to ourselves, being buried under the water of, a bat, of baptism, and then rising again to new life, right? He speaks of this new life and this new hope and this new opportunity, um, and, the other thing I'll mention about baptism is this. Uh, Jesus both demonstrated and taught baptism, right? Uh, Jesus, early in his ministry, chose to be baptized, not for the, not, not for forgiveness of sins, not for the cleansing and purification ritual and, and, and ceremony that it was in Israelites' culture, because he didn't have any of that sin, uh, to be cleansed of. However, he did it to demonstrate the value and importance in it. He then teaches it. His last commandment to his followers is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So from a personal experience, I'll just say this. Um, I want baptism uh, in our church and as we go forward to be um, a beautiful, um, celebrated opportunity in the life of people. Um, it might seem strange. If you are new to faith and you're like, so you want to put me under the water and lift me back up? That might just sound strange. And maybe it is. That's, that's fine. But it's, it's been a practice in Christendom since the beginning that has beautiful depth and potential and meaning, right? And, and let me just also mention this in a, in a very pragmatic way. Um, everything that has had major significance in our lives has had some sort of ceremony and way of living it out that's significant. For instance, um, if you're married, uh, you put a lot of effort, time, and love into a marriage ceremony, right? That was a beautiful and memorable thing that, that sealed a, an incredible union that was coming together, right? In the same way, you know, I mean, and we could talk about any experience in our life, graduation and walking across the stage in a robe. Like, we don't get to wear dresses often in our culture. So for guys, that was a big thing, right? Um, uh, so, so, I mean, but everything in life that, that was major and significant is sealed by some sort of ceremony. And I think God's salvation, his, his love and his grace poured out in our lives, an invitation to newness is celebrated in a really beautiful way. In, in, in baptism. And, and so we want to be a people that, that as we say, God, will you be my savior? Will, will you change my life and will you make me new? We want to be a people that say, let's seal this. Let's celebrate together in this way, uh, in, in baptism. Okay. That's an aside and we'll get to talk more about that, uh, in, in, in times to come. But that's the story of the Ethiopian. He says, the least likely person in the least likely place, he says, today's the day. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And instead of all the reasons that he was told back in Jerusalem that he shouldn't and can't be baptized, Philip says, let's do it. Today is your day. I think we can learn a lot from this, um, this character, uh, Philip. 
Um, Philip does the unthinkable here. Um, He must know that as he returns to Jerusalem, should he be brave enough to tell this story, that there will be an uproar. Remember, at this point, uh, Christianity is a sect of the Jewish faith, right? This is an Ethiopian guy and a eunuch at that. And Philip says, be one of us. Today is your day to be baptized, right? He must know that he's stirring it up. And I wonder that if sometimes, like in the kingdom of God and in the work that we do to participate with God in the world around us, if we're not stirring up the water and upsetting someone, maybe we're not doing it right. Like, I love Philip's decision and bravery. He doesn't wait for a council, you know. He doesn't call together everyone. He says, hey, this guy's heart is there, and today is the day. And so he acts on what God is doing in the life of this man. I love it. I love it. I think it's absolutely beautiful, this man Philip and his willingness to engage. Um, I think, I think it's Bob Goff that, that once said this. Um, Do you want to know how you're doing in your faith? Pay attention to how you treat people who creep you out. I think, I think this is a fascinating statement uh, because Philip had every reason to be weirded out by the situation and this man, and yet he engages what God is doing around him. And I'm like, what would it look like in our lives if we were bold enough and passionate enough that, um, that, that, that we would go to strange places, that we would meet unlikely people, and we would share with them a God that loves them? Like, think about the people in our culture that, that truly don't believe, the people that, that live amongst us here in the Tri-Cities that don't know that Jesus loves them, that feel unlovable, that have been rejected by their culture. And I don't know what this looks like. I don't know the, kind of the people that you're picturing or the situations or the places. But I just dream of being a people who say God's love is so deep and for all of humanity— so I am willing, as an unlikely vessel, to go to unlikely places and participate in what God is doing. Because, friends, I truly believe this. I know this from experiences in life, that, that as calloused as our culture may seem to Christianity, an offer of love in the life of a hurting or marginalized person is a powerful, powerful thing. And we have that to give. The love that God has given us is not our own to be clung to, but instead ours to give generously to a world that is hurt and marginalized and distanced from the God that loves them. And that is a beautiful invitation that I believe that we have today. So here we are, unlikely people, right? I I told a little bit of my story, how quirky and messed up. How do I end up? a pastor, you know, that's, that's so far from what, do you guys fear your, some of you were really popular in high school and it's cool, you want to go to all your reunions, I've never been to a high school reunion, Um, and I, so I've got my 20 year next year, don't I, see I'm terrified of even that thought, Uh, like maybe I have to go to my 20 year reunion, I'll tell you there is not a person there that would have imagined, yeah he's going to be a pastor one day, right? Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and I'm sure we all have stories quite similar. Uh, unlikely people, 
There are so many reasons that we would think we are disqualified from the work of God, right? I've sinned too much in my life. I I don't know enough. Uh, I'm afraid of commitment, right? There's so many reasons that we would say, oh, I just, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the one at the margins. And yet all of us unlikely people sit here together this morning. And talk about an unlikely place. We're sitting in an elementary school cafeteria talking about a castrated guy from 2,000 years ago. How unlikely, right, is this situation right here? It's as unlikely as it gets. Unlikely people in unlikely places that God does remarkable things with, right? That's the story of Philip. And so I want to invite us this morning just to dream. Uh, as, as we go from here, I want to invite you to dream about what it looks like to participate in what God is doing, to extend this offer of love that he's given to us to the world around us. Now, if you're new to this faith thing, if you're still exploring, there's a whole nother segment of the story and and application to it, and it is this. No matter how unlikely, no matter how marginalized or distanced you feel from the culture you live in or the God that loves you, I want you to know this. He chooses the unlikely, and he does remarkable things in our lives. So I want to invite us this morning to consider, to consider what God is inviting us into. If it is a next step in your faith journey, if today's the day and you're like, hey, well, there's no pool here, uh, there's, there's no water, but there is a few blocks away. And if today is the day and, and, and you're like, what's to stop me from giving my life to Jesus, from finding new life? Well, then today's the day. And we'll celebrate with you in that. If you're a follower of Jesus today, uh, I hope the story of Philip, as quirky and as fascinating as it is, has pricked our hearts to say God uses unlikely people and unlikely places to do remarkable things, and we are invited into that story. How incredible is that? Let's pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Uh, Father, we thank you for our just our small gathering this morning, but an opportunity um, to look to you. Father, with 12 men, you did remarkable things. And so, Father, with us this morning, I pray that you will uh, take our unlikely lives, our unlikely circumstances. Father, invite us into the incredible work that you're doing. Father, give us boldness. uh, Give us vision. Give us eyes to see uh, people around us, maybe for the first time, the people we, we pass every day. But, Father, help us to be that voice of love in their lives. Uh, Father, help us to be a light that, that shines Christ in the world around us. Father, for those of us just considering faith, uh, Father, I ask that you will uh, be near to us. Reveal to us your love. Father, uh, tear down those barriers and those walls in our lives that say, I am not enough. They say that I'm not good enough. Uh, Father, uh, let all that down, that we can see your open arms, uh, that we can run and experience your embrace. Father, thank you for your love. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.